welcome. Merry Christmas. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> well, we survived uh, yet another winter storm here in the Pacific Northwest. We didn't quite die, so we're 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 doing okay. So praise the Lord for that. But uh, if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles uh, to the book of uh, uh, first, or it's not first, uh, excuse me, Colossians, where we've been studying uh, in Sunday school. And uh, the, uh, <clears throat> as we've talked about the, the intent of the book, uh, dealing with uh, some of these issues of, uh, of uh, 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 false doctrine, some of the the problems that uh, uh, the church at Colossae was facing uh, in regards to the constant uh, repeated attacks. And uh, I tell you this, it's, it's one of the things that when we look at in this day and age, it is very, very, very evident. The, the, the world is not letting up in any way, shape, or form. The devil is not letting up in any way, shape, or form. And when we see the, if you will, the refreshment, uh, that Paul gives to these, this church, uh, right, right in the middle of, you know, the, if you will, the heart of idolatrous territory, uh, just like where we are. You know, this is one of the, the, the things that I always mention to people. Pacific Northwest is one of the most beautiful areas that God has ever created. Um, you know, you go through the rest of the country and, and there's a lot of beauty. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, wonderful things as you go into like some of the desert and the painted deserts and things of that nature. But yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. You know, there's some beauty, uh, down there in the, in the, you know, Gulf of Mexico and along the Atlantic South. Uh, it, it, it's beautiful over there. Great beaches, great, uh, but I wouldn't want to live there. Uh, you know, I, I take a look at the Pacific or the, the, the Northeast, Atlantic Northeast area, and it's just, it's, it's beautiful, just kind of like this. But again, there's a little bit of a difference with what's over there and what's over here. And, uh, again, I would rather live in the Pacific Northwest. But as part of that, <clears throat> we understand there's some problems. You know, we live in a state that is actively going against God with a governor that proclaims to be a Christian. Um, and it, it, it's, it's disheartening. Uh, the church at Colossae, same way. There they are in the middle of everything and seeing all of these things. And, and uh, Paul reminds in chapter 1 these things that he's desiring for them and what he wants for them. And, and, and we, we've been talking through all of these <clears throat> as we move through this, and, and, and we get down there to, to uh, again, just kind of picking up verse 9. He says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, with all patience and long suffering and joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light, saints in light, 
who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the first or the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. And while we're not going to get that far this morning, it's just comforting to know that God's still in control. And as he continues to, Paul continues to give comfort here, he says, look, you know, God is, has created everything, and this is all going to be, in the end, for his honor, for his praise and his glory, and we need to understand that. As believers, we need to understand that. As bad as things are going to get, it's still going to reveal the greatness and goodness and mercy and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's where we have to have that thought. Before we get started too much further into this, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity to be here. Pray, Lord, that you just be with me and my words, my thoughts, Lord. You just give me strength this morning to uh, deliver uh, the message that you have for us. Uh, and, Lord, I just pray our hearts would be ready to receive and desirous, Lord, to know you and to know your will, to know the wisdom and the understanding that you've given to us. And, Lord, again, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we talk here, we, we, we kind of left off right there around uh, verse 12. We talked about his power and what his power does and yields. That it's only in his power that we're going to uh, have, as he says, this patience, long-suffering with joyfulness. And this is this is one of the main things about Christian strength that we need to understand. Christian strength is not just a... a uh, if you will, some sort of mythical thing that uh, is unattainable. Uh, it is something that is very attainable. It is something that God gives freely. Uh, you know, we, we, we talk about gifts this season, this time of year, this day specifically. And one of the greatest gifts that God can give us is that strength that we talked about when we were going through the book of Philippians in chapter 4, verse 13. Strengthened with with all might, and again, that is his might, and it's according to his glorious power. Not according to ours, uh, not according to the world, or what the world thinks is power. And and it's ironic that the world just constantly is struggling for power. you got two political parties in the United States struggling for power. you got people at work who are struggling for power, authority, who who, who think they're, they're everything. You've got, uh, you know, a dynamic in families where people are struggling for power. People are trying to be at the top. I'll tell you this, you know, once you get to the top, you realize, I'm not sure I want to be here. (laughs) There's a lot of responsibility. Your parents, you know, they, 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 they provide and everything. And you got these children that are so anxious to grow up and the children, the, the parents are like, just take your time. Just take your time. You know, it's, it's not really, it's not going to be as glorious as you think it's going to be. 
you know, you start realizing what adulting is and, you know, you have one of those years and, and, and you're just like, oh, you know, it, it, it's it, it's responsibility. You know, with power comes uh, this uh, this idea and this concept that there is a responsibility behind it and to be using it the correct way. Without it, uh, without that understanding, there's a problem. With, with with that authority and with that power comes was comes accountability. You're responsible for it. Now, that should be a terrifying thought. Is we become you know people become independent in their life and and start doing their own things. Uh, you are accountable now. Your actions, what you do. There's no finger pointing. There's no blaming anybody. There's no shifting any of that. It's you are accountable. You're accountable. And with that accountability, you, you, you do realize, well, I've got a lot to do. And I'll tell you this, there's no greater knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, is to realize that he came as an infant in the flesh, born of a woman, here for us, grow up, and take on a ministry that none of us, no man that had ever been created, was qualified for. But he in his flesh fulfilled it. And he did it the way that the Lord wanted it done. The way that God the Father had willed it. And it was accomplished. And with that comes great power. Because he had the power to conquer sin and to conquer death. To spoil those principalities and powers. To take the keys of of, of death and hell. And and to make an understanding, if you will, of how great God and his word truly is. And we see this here as he's talking about according to his glorious power. There's no greater glory than that. There's no greater glory than that. Talking about, again, the Pacific Northwest, and, and we see all of the snow and the ice, and, you know, of course, everyone freaks out and things like that. But you look out there, and you just realize how beautiful that is, and, the, and, and, and how glorious it is. And this is still in a sin-cursed earth that still has problems. And we still see beauty in all of that. that there, there's nothing greater than the glory of God. Everything is to be done for the glory of God. How God can take something as, as if you will, scarred as this earth and make it something beautiful and glorious for his creation. And how he can take us as sinners and save us and forgive us our sins and, 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 and set us upon the rock of Jesus Christ and to use us to preach the gospel and use us to tell people about the need of a Savior, and to use us for His honor and His praise and His glory, when we were worth, if you will, you just look at it, what value do we add to the Lord? There is none, because He is all-sufficient and complete. Yet He's everything to us. He's everything to us.
And as he says here, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. You know, strength does take patience, doesn't it? Uh, when I was, uh, you know, working out in college and, and doing the weightlifting, uh, it took, it took patience. I remember, uh, starting off and, you know, the, the, the first time just sitting there and beginning the training process and starting to, to, to go through just the, some of the basics of the workouts and the training, uh, and they're like, well, we're going to start off some, some small stuff. We'll, we'll go ahead and start off with some, uh, some, uh, sit-ups and crunches. How many people in here just love to do sit-ups first thing in the morning? You wake up at 5 a.m. and you decide to yourself, I'm going to go ahead and do some sit-ups. Well, yeah. Uh, so that, that was me. And I just, I just remember sitting there going, and this is tough. You, you haven't built up that strength and you start doing a couple of those sit-ups and you're like, oh man, this is, this is harder than it seems. This is harder than it looks. And you do that and you, and, and, and you, and you get through like the first, you know, 10. And you're laying on the ground, you know, in a puddle of your own sweat. And you're just like, oh, what have I done? And then you realize that was just the first part. That was the warm-up. There's a whole, a, whole, a whole slew of other things that you've got to get ready to do here. Presses and and lifts and pull-ups and pull-downs and all sorts of stuff, right? Getting on those uh, uh, on the treadmill, getting on the cycles. Uh, you know, just all of those, uh, th- th- that part of the workout. But by the time that I was done with that program, done with what was there, it was a matter of within 10 minutes, I could sit there and do 110 sit-ups without breaking a sweat and then just get up and move through the rest of the thing. You know, that took some time. That took some time. It wasn't something that just came like that. And a lot of times people, people, they, they, they want to tap into God and they instantly want to become Samson. Right? They want all that power. But that's not how it works. It's gradual. It's gradual. There's a lot of powerful things in this world. You split an atom apart and you begin to realize exactly how powerful power is. People can't withstand that power. And it became, you know, small steps. Small steps. Small steps. Small steps. And when it comes to this strengthening that we see here, it says in all patience... You know, it's the slow process of God teaching us that. One patient thing after another. I mean, he talks about that over there in Philippians 4. Like I said, there's a lot of parallels with Colossians and Philippians. There's a lot of uh, parallels over there also with First Peter, where he's talking about those lists of things and and building upon it and 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 with the knowledge and all of those things and, and and God frequently mentions that p word patience and and we live in a day and age where where people you know it, it, that's not something we really want why it's because we live in an instant world 
Everything is in an instant, right? Instant coffee. Yeah. Is it, is it really, I mean, let's, let's think about this. Is instant coffee really that good as compared to a good brewed coffee the right way that takes time? No. You used to know guys that would take the, the instant coffee packs out of the MREs. They'd rip them open and they'd take them and they'd stuff them in there like chew. And they, and they just sit there and suck on it. And I'm just like, you know, like, they're like, you get a, you want that coffee? And I'm like, no, 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 feel free. You know, you trade it for their cookies or trade it for whatever, you know, snack came in there. Man, I'll take your jalapeno cheese spread before I eat that coffee like you're doing, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, people all the time, they want instant. You go home, you microwave the burrito, right? It takes a minute. You bring it out, and depending on your microwave, whether it's overpowered or underpowered, you gotta add or subtract. And if you add, then it has a tendency to just kind of like, you know, split out the side. You know? <laughs> and then you're looking at it going, well, I can't pick that up, so now you gotta get, you gotta dirty the fork and knife, and you gotta go through that whole thing, right? I mean, does it compare to, like, going over here to El Rancho Viejo and getting yourself one of their burritos that's carefully prepared or even one that you take yourself? Maybe you're not into burritos. Maybe it's whatever. But we live in that instant, 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 instant. You, you, you go to a fast food place, you walk up, you place your order, you turn around and they call your number. Like, how long has that one been sitting on the shelf, you know? <clears throat> is that hamburger really taste as good as one that's cooked over a grill, well-seasoned, takes its time, juicy seasoned to perfection? Not one that was hurried or rushed. You know, when we talk about strength, a lot of times people think that they've got strength in their Christian life. But it's never been developed with patience. It's an instant kind. I tell you, things that show up in an instant have a tendency to kind of die in an instant, don't they? Go over to the book of Jonah. Gord came up. Gord withered. I mean, instantaneous when you start thinking about how long it takes to grow a gourd... I mean, how long does it take to grow a watermelon, a pumpkin, something like that? You go out there and throw the seeds down and, and go and, and, you know, turn around and five seconds later, you've got this 500 pound pumpkin. Because again, you got to remember that gourd was big enough to give Jonah shade. This was no little zucchini that you just kind of like, you know, right there. This was, this was big enough. That he could get shade from it. That's big. Even if it just shaded his head, that's still pretty big. You ever take a look at the size of your guys' heads? <laughs> Think about how much shade you need to, to cover that thing. 
I mean, unless you're like a, you know, you, you got a little pinhead, it's not, I mean, it, it takes a lot, right? And God grew it in an instant. And a worm comes and devours it in an instant. I don't know about you, but I kind of wanted to see that. You know, here, here he is all of a sudden just laying there and this gourd just goes, and he's like, oh, wow. And then he gets shade and he's all, oh, oh, this feels so good. And here comes this little worm and comes along and just, and then just like, and it's gone. And I tell you, that's a lot of what it's like with a Christian life when strength is not developed with patience. When strength isn't developed with waiting on God to work in your life. You know, so many times we're in just a rush to do stuff. We're, we're in a hurry to grow up. We're in a hurry to be independent. We're in a hurry to get a career and a job. We're in a hurry to start a family. We're, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're hurrying to get to our retirement. For what? To hurry to get to the end? Wherein is the worthy walk that God has called us to? So many times people want to run. And he said, I want you to walk worthy. I don't want you to run worthy. You know, walking, it's kind of a natural thing. You ever seen some people run? You're like... I don't know what you would call that, but I don't know if that's running. It's just like, you know, arms flailing all over the place, and it just, like, you know, it looks ridiculous. And so many times people are in a hurry to go here, in a hurry to go there, in a hurry to do this, in a hurry to do that. And they never find the patience. And they never truly find the strength of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. When, when, when the psalmist is talking about how God is his fortress, what do you do in a fortress? You hunker down. It's the bunker. You're not doing a lot. The fortress is doing it for you. The high tower the shield, the buckler, all these things that that, that psalmist declares that the Lord is, all relies on him. All relies on him. When we begin to understand that, 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 that it's the patience of God that is slowly working us in, into the strength and into the trials, into the temptations, into the tests, into the maturity, the growing up in Christ, it doesn't happen in an instant. And here he is, he's encouraging them, and he's like, this is what I want to pray for. I want to pray that you're going to get strengthened with uh, with all might according to his glorious power, not according to theirs, with all patience, and he says, and long-suffering. That's that's self-defining. It's self-defining. We are going to have to go through some stuff. God calls us to 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 have long suffering towards the brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, they may make the same mistake. Yeah, 
You may have to forgive them seven times in a day. Yeah, you may have to forgive them 490 times. Yeah, you may have to continue to do that. That may happen. But you know what? God makes it really clear. As believers, we're just to suffer along. Somebody's going to say, well, I understand the long-suffering of God, but even God has his limits. Yeah, okay, we're not God. When you suffer, say, a few thousand years, like God has suffered with Israel or with us as human beings, then maybe we can talk, but we don't have that lifespan. God says you got 70 years. Anything beyond that? Woo, okay. Sure a lot from the 969 Methuselah had, right? Take a look at the, the, the meager little existence that we breathe in this life. I tell you, when we begin to realize what God does and how long suffering is towards us and what we do in our Christian life, and how many times we have faults and we have failings and and we enter back into sin when we shouldn't and so on and so forth. And he's just constantly there. I tell you what, the long suffering and going through things and going through with the mentality is, is focusing on Christ. That's what the long suffering is about. It's not about focusing on us. It's about focusing on the end. Because look at what he says here. He says, I want you to go through this long suffering. He says, with what? Joyfulness. Suffering and joy just don't seem to go hand in hand, do they? They just kind of seem to be a little um, contrary. But when Christ is involved, he's it's not contrary. It's impossible with men. God's in the equation. It is possible. Think about the possibilities of things that are out there. And think about how impossible it is with what God does. How long have they sat there and played with, you know, trying to create like robot, human-like robots? I, I, I like to follow the, that uh, that company, Boston Dynamics. You guys know which one I'm talking about, Boston Dynamics? They're the guys that make the little robot called Fido. And then they make another one. And then every now and then they'll they'll put out a video and they've got these robots doing all these dance moves. And you're sitting there going, what? And then you, you go back, like, say, 30 years and take a look at the images of what they were doing with robots. And they were like, ooh, it lifted an arm. <gasps> the shock, the horror, right? You know, it's like, oh, we're entering the age of robotics and you got this one, you know, over here dancing without cables attached to it. And we look at that and we applaud it. Okay, when you get to the point of where you can create a human being like us, that has the ability, capability, mobility, uh, then maybe we can start talking. We applaud that, and it's just like it's so basic in its form. And then you take mankind and you go, how much greater is that? Man can't create that. 
but you put God in the picture and it is possible. It is possible. Without him, it's not. So we begin to understand this concept of, 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 if you will, suffering with joy. Jesus Christ did it. To him, the cross was joy. Why? Because it brought salvation for you and me. It was the fulfillment, the accumulation of everything that, that God had, had, had purposed at that moment in time. It was now salvation was available. The payment had been made. No longer would sin have dominion. And that's been the battle from the beginning, right? Think about it. What was one of the first things that God did after Adam and Eve sinned? After he had a little discussion with him, he he, he put a, a, a cherub armed with a sword, a flaming sword, to guard the tree of life because he did not want sin to have ultimate dominion or continued dominion. It would be limited. That action demonstrates the power of God. And the limiting capability, or limited capability of sin. Sin itself is not strong. You know, we, we, we've been talking about change in on Wednesday. We're getting ready to finish up uh, talking about that. But I, I'll tell you this: one thing that we need to understand when it comes to, to sinful behavior, it's not that strong. The power of sin was was found in the law. The strength of sin was in the law. But if the law has been fulfilled in Christ, then it no longer has any dominion. We, we, we can actually have victory because sin is really not that strong. We like to think of sin as just this big, bad, mean giant. And you know what it is? It's like a little gnat that just bugs you. And you spend so much time being annoyed by the gnat that you miss out on how great God's power really is, which is a big giant fly swatter. Back when, when when I was working in a in a uh, corporate office, I, we worked down towards the lower level, and they always would roll the the garage bay doors open in the summertime to get a nice you know summer breeze going through there, which didn't make sense considering we had air conditioning, but they did it anyways. And and, and if you know anything about the Pacific Northwest, we have a tendency to breed some pretty large fly species around here, and those big ones would come flying in. And they'd be buzzing around all over the place. You're sitting there trying to take phone calls on a help desk and you got this fly buzzing you and, you know, dive bombing you. All these things. Man. Got to the point of where, you know, I, I kind of became this fearless fly gunslinger with rubber bands. I was shooting them out of the air. I got really good at it. To sit there and, 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 and to, to take those things out. Because you know what? When a rubber band hits a fly's body, it's really, there is no power in that fly, right? There's little members everywhere. 
Um, I'd get, you know, polite, kind notes from my boss. Uh, we appreciate you killing the flies, but uh, could you please make sure you clean up after yourself? Um, it's disturbing to find a severed fly head, you know, encrusted on somebody's, you know, screen. <laughs> you know, little wings and legs everywhere, you know, stuff like that. Um, it, it, it can't withstand it. I say all that to say this. God's grace is so much stronger than sin. We sit there and we think about it and we struggle with it and we think about the strength and there's just so much joy that we can have knowing that regardless of what we go through, regardless of, of, of how difficult something may be, that that sin is pretty weak compared to how great our God is. We need to have that mindset. Need to have that mindset that God is greater. God is greater. We'll take a look here at verse 12 of, of Colossians 1. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of light. Uh, again, we're, we're talking about this giving of thanks. This giving of thanks. This is something again that he desires. This is something again that we find as the will of God. One of the key most important things when it comes to the will of God is, is thankfulness. If we can't start off with being thankful and being content, we will never understand the entirety of God's will. It's just, we won't. How can we? It's, it's, it's basic in its nature when we sit there and think, oh, all I have to do is be thankful for what God has already given me. Yeah. The pursuit of everything else is, is is based upon God's will. If we're just thankful for the life that we have and and for what has been given to us, and we just accept those things and and graciously give Him thanks every single day for it, it's the problem when we become unthankful. It's the problem when we become malcontent, murmur and bitterness, and all of these things cry, you know creep up into our life. And what happens? we begin to make our lives miserable because of our own doing. But we should be very thankful for what God has given us. Giving thanks unto the Father. Well, when's the last time that, that, that when you sat down and you prayed, you just said, Lord, I, I, I don't need to ask for anything right now. I just want to give you thanks. I just want to give you thanks for everything. You should have just prayers of thanksgiving. Just prayers of thanksgiving. I mean, we, we, we get into, I understand that prayer is there that we ask and, and praise God for it. Praise God for it. But so many times we want to heap it upon our own lusts. We ask amiss, as James says. The idea that what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be giving God praise. And the greatest way to praise him is just be thankful. Just be thankful. Little dog Rolla. He's, he's, he's just, he's so thankful. You know? Think about this. I understand 
he, 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 he's such a happy little guy. He's thankful if you just pay attention to him and pet him. He's, he's thankful if you sit down, spread a blanket across your lap, he's there. Even before you put the blanket down, he's already laid down and made himself comfortable. You're not comfortable, but he is. He's just thankful. He gets his food, and he's thankful. The other dogs, maybe they're not so thankful about their food. He'll willingly come, and he'll help them. Be thankful. It's funny, the adoption papers for him said that he's he's always underfoot in the kitchen. He is. He's just waiting for it to drop. One time I dropped a whole chicken nugget on the ground. You know, put it in the air fryer, it fell out, and, and it was right there on the ground, still smoking hot. He comes up over to it, and he just grabs the thing. I'm like, oh, no, it's like burning hot. And he's just like, you know, spitting it out. He's he's like, it's his chicken nugget. He's not going to let anybody else have his chicken nugget. He was very thankful for the chicken nugget. He was very thankful that it fell to the floor. And for, for, for most of us, we wouldn't be thankful for a chicken nugget that fell to the floor. Think, think about the, the the woman that came to Jesus Christ and said that she just wanted crumbs from the master's table. And she was thankful for that. The woman that said, I, I, I'd be just thankful if I could just touch the hem of his garment. And she was thankful for that. Look, look, folks, we don't get crumbs. And we don't just touch the hem of his garment. They were thankful for that. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as he paints the picture here in verse, you know, in verse 13, where he's talking about being delivered from the power of darkness, translated into his kingdom, having redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, all of these things that we uh, that we need, man, we should have so much to be thankful for. He's in us and we are in him. We are called sons. We're partakers of an inheritance. That's not crumbs and that's not a him. That's Christ and who he is. And so much of our life becomes preoccupied on what we don't have when we forget about what it is that we do have. Again, if tomorrow you were to lose everything, you have no home, you have no family, you have no friends, you, 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 you've got nothing, no car, no money, nothing. You have zip. You got the clothes on your back, that's all. Would you still give God thanks? Yeah. Why? Because this world isn't my home, I'm just passing through. Right? You're like, well, yeah, but I'm going to, okay, yeah, okay, so we go through some long suffering with joyfulness and through some patience. We get strength in God as we rely on Him to provide. 
I mean, we, 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 we live in a, we, we live in a westernized Christianity model. What about, what about the people that don't? I forget who I was having a conversation with the other day, but I was talking about a, a country over in, in Europe, Moldova, which I'm sure you, you, you've heard of before. Moldova is, I mean, you know, the average age over there is ridiculously low. Why? Because all the adults left and they left all the kids behind. Orphanage upon orphanage upon orphanage upon orphanage. Young kids. Nobody wants to adopt them. Nobody wants to take care of them. Can you imagine what would happen if all of a sudden, you know, there you are, five, six years old, and your parents are like, we're going to go make a better life for yourself. You're on your own. You grew up with parents. Are you thankful? Man, we've got so much to be thankful for. They're over there and, and, and they, they don't have anything. You know, we, we, we grow up and we've been, we've been given a lot. We've been given a lot. Even, even the, the disadvantaged in the United States of America still have a lot compared to others. Giving of thanks. Why? Because because of what we have here. Giving of thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You realize that, you know, you go over there to the book of Matthew and he talks about inheriting the earth. Meek shall inherit the earth. He talks about... Uh, the inheritance of, uh, uh, of the, the Jews and what they get, their inheritance, uh, talking about this world, this earth, uh, all of these things. And, and they're very focused on that. And that has been one of the biggest issues with the nation of Israel is becomes, they become physically focused, not spiritually focused. We struggle with that as Christians today. We become physically focused, not spiritually focused. Because we, we live in a physical world. But one of the key things that I want us to understand is that when we start looking at what God gives us, when he hear you saying that you get to, you get to be, if you will, partakers of this inheritance. Well, what's that inheritance? Eternal life. We get to be, you know, have that inheritance of, of the, just the, the fact that we get to live forever. That's a, it's an amazing concept to think about. It's an amazing concept to, to, to really, really truly sit down and, and, and think about what God gives us with life, eternal life. You know, sometimes we think of, of death as kind of, if you will, a finality. It's the end, right? No, death is just the beginning. For some people, it's eternal life. For others, it's not. It's an eternal death, which has no finality. 
which is terrifying when we think about it. We look at death and we think of death in a very, very, very different form. We think about it in a very different form than the way that the Lord looks at it. But here he's saying, he's saying, I'm going to make you partakers of this inheritance of the saints in light. Not in darkness, which is in verse 13, which is where he delivers us from. We have to understand that, that this inheritance in light is very clearly better than the darkness. Better than the darkness. I mean, as we look at this progression of these these things that we've been looking at, I mean, why do we not give the thanks that God deserves as we look through all of those things that have been revealed to us previously, and now we get to this part where he begins to talk about the best thing that we have, what God has truly given to us. And he, he he's made us to the point of where we get to partake in this. And he says that we are partakers of the inheritance, that eternal life of the saints, other individuals that have accepted this and received this in light, not in darkness, not in, in some sort of, if you will, uh, a sick, perverted world. Because that's what we were pulled out from in verse 13. He says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness. If you will flip over a couple of pages to Ephesians in Ephesians chapter two, and as as he talks about what Ephesians uh, to, the, to the church at Ephesus, he, he talks to them. He, he he reminds them of what that was, what it was like. Now look, God isn't bringing up the sin to to, to flaunt it in our face and slap us around with it again. What he's saying, what he's saying is, is look, you need to remember that you were saved from sin. But the key important part is we're saved unto Christ Jesus. Just like the repentance. The repentance is turning to God. Salvation is saved by God, saved unto, if you will, eternal life. The stuff that we're saved from, That stuff is in the past, but we need to keep that in mind. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, and he says, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires and of the flesh and of the mind, and were nature by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he wherewith he loved us, even while we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Here he is, he's saying, we get delivered from that darkness, delivered from those sins, and now we're being, if you will, put in this position with him, seated with him at the right hand of God. 
Right now, that's where we are. Boggles the mind. But that's what we begin to realize. We are right there with him as he continues to provide for us, as he continues to give to us, as he continues just over and over and over and over and over, revealing his kindness to us. And he's done it through all the ages. And I just want you to think, in that age of, if you will, eternity, which is ageless, could you imagine the riches and the grace of God you're going to see? And he's saying, we've been delivered from this. We've been delivered. And what he begins to do is he begins to shift from this desire of what he wants, and he begins to show why this is what he wants. It's because of who Jesus Christ is. He starts off and he says, I want you to to have a knowledge of who God is. And here we are. We're going to take a look at who God is. And we begin to realize the very first thing that we see here in verse 13 is he is a deliverer. He's a deliverer. We can sit there all day long and try to deliver ourselves. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's like getting stuck on some of the ice stuff that's out here. It doesn't matter whether you got four-wheel drive. It doesn't matter sometimes whether you got studs or chains or whatever it is. Sometimes even those vehicles get stuck. You know, it just it happens. You know, there we are. I want you to think about this for a second. We look at, at something like a, a tank that's got tracks and we go, man, that thing can, can really truly get through just about anything. And then we see it get stuck. And so what do they have to do? They have to deliver it. Here comes the, you know, the, 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 uh, the recovery vehicle, which is another tank with a bigger batter motor cranes and winches and all sorts of stuff to pull it out of whatever it got stuck in. Couldn't deliver itself. Couldn't deliver itself. One of the most powerful things on the battlefield can't deliver itself. Here we are in in our futility and what little strength we have, we realize we can't deliver ourselves. And again, we go back to that part of, of giving thanks to, to God for this, but it's Him that has delivered us. Who hath delivered us? Who hath delivered us? And I dare say we almost need to ask that as a question every single day. Who hath delivered me? I, I'm faced with a problem. Something comes up in my life. Who hath delivered me? Uh, you know, I, 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 I look at all the things that are going on around me. Well, who, who has delivered me? I'm in the worst place that I could ever possibly be. Who has delivered me? Going back over and over and over again, this first few, you know, first uh, four words uh, uh, that Paul writes down here, there's just so much power because of Jesus Christ is the one that does this. The deliverer. 
Next week, we're going to take a look a little bit more at this deliverance, a little bit more at this redemption, a little bit more of of what, what we've been given of God. Because I'll tell you this, when we really want to know who Christ is, we have to take a look at what he has done for us, what he has given to us, and what his grace and works truly are about. And here we are, we, 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 we see him. We see him in the image of God, his word being spoken throughout, you know, to, uh, to, to verse 22, all these things that we see. But what we begin to see is we see this pattern of how loving, how kind, how great God is. And how he's been that way from the very beginning. And he's been that way from the very beginning. But let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the time that we have. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just come here and learn of you and hear about what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that we would just continue to focus on receiving that strength from you with patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness. And Lord, that we would continue to give thanks for what you have done for us. And Lord, as we kind of enter into this second part of this chapter, Lord, I pray that we would just continue ahead, reread it, read exactly what it is you've done for us and how great a God you are to us. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us this day to bring us here as we come and worship you, praise you, that you would come to an earth like this, give of yourself, Lord, so that we can have that redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the inheritance of eternal life. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.